welcome to One Hit Wonderful, the podcast where we revisit all the amazing reality shows that only had one season. And most deserved many more. Agreed. I'm Frank Pezzanite III. And I'm Meredith Broadbeck. So today we are furthering our series on Kel on Earth. Today we'll be doing episode two, The Show Must Go On. Yep. <laughs> and it must. And yep. on and on and on. And the show should have gone on. There. Um, so, uh, do you have a runway rundown for us? I do. And I have a little bit of house cleaning because we've fallen terribly behind. I blame myself because this is my job on reading reviews and we've received three in 2018 that I wanted to read and they're all pretty short. So fan Chris mask C one, he said, Frank and Mare never disappoint their insight and commentary into my guiltiest of pleasures are the best. Keep up the good work. Oh, thanks Chris. Love it. And then someone who named their <laughs> iTunes review Amazing with a um, K. <laughs> which is amazing. We yeah. love you, whoever you are. <laughs> Please reveal yourself. Said, fun and easy listening. I can't find anywhere to binge the hills, but this pod more than scratches the itch. And then someone... Oh, actually, so they said Amazing as the title of their post, but their name is Lauren's Braid Bang. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> are you sure that wasn't you? No, it wasn't, actually. <laughs> Um, and then someone who goes by mentors, triple seven. So it's like double Oh seven with the bonus said Frank and Mare are the podcast friends. I aspire to meet and share a drink with one day, constantly laughing while listening to these two. Amazing. And we love drinks. So whoever you are, let us know and we will happily have a drink with you. Yeah. Also reveal yourselves. (laughs) Um, and I wanted to, in, in addition to this house cleaning and as long as we're talking about iTunes and stuff to let you guys know that it seems to be the case, at least with my podcast app, that if you were subscribed to Frankly Speaking with Mayor B, which I'm sure most of you were, it still comes up as Frankly Speaking with Mayor B in your feed. On mine, it comes up as that, and then it just says One Hit Wonderful underneath. Right. Um, so it's only for new subscribers that I think it will come up as One Hit Wonderful in your feed, as far as I know. Um, for some weird reason, we did change the artwork in SoundCloud, and on like on Mare's iTunes app, the artwork has changed to say One Hit Wonderful. Um, on mine, it still says Frankly Speaking, and when I Google search it, it still says Frankly Speaking. Yeah, and I'm going to look into it, and hopefully it'll be solved by the time this comes out, but it is possible that podcast apps get stuck in the cache, which is a web thing. Um, but I also don't want to resubmit the RSS feed to iTunes and make everyone resubscribe. Yeah, no, no, we don't so, want to do that. So I just want to let you guys know that like, if just the purpose of this is it may still say, frankly speaking with Mayor B in your, um, in your podcast app. But if you are spreading the word and telling people, they can search for us under one hit podcast, one hit wonderful podcast. Yeah. Because when I went into my iTunes and searched for frankly speaking, I couldn't even find us anymore because yeah. it's already updated. And so, same thing with mine. It's weird. If I search for frankly speaking, it does not come up i have to search for one hit wonderful so yeah. it's strange but it still says frankly speaking so not surprising every app is different that's right? true yeah so for this week's runway rundown i'm such a nerd that name like really is making my day um i decided to profile robin kelly's partner okay because we're kind of going down the chain of command with these that's how i decided to do them and then hopefully we'll get some fun like intern shit at the very end so Robin Berkeley is her name. She graduated from Boston University and she got her first job at a New York City PR firm, La Force and Stevens. Apparently they're quite famous, not to me, but okay. New York. So at 24, she started doing PR for this Swedish clothing company, Jay Lindberg. 
I never heard of it. I hadn't heard of them, but she was their head of PR and that's where she met Kelly. So Kelly hired Robin as a fashion director. And then seven years later, she was made partner at People's Revolution. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it wasn't a partnership. She was a maid partner. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But her title card is a little different than Emily's, I noticed. She is listed as a partner where Emily is fashion director. Oh, really? Okay, I didn't notice that. So that means that Kelly offered Robin a stake in the company, whereas Emily doesn't quite have that. She's just kind of like HBIC, I think. So then in 2011, Robin left People's Revolution, and she spent a year in Bali and became a yoga instructor. She, eat, pray, loved it. (laughs) Is that still what she's doing? So she is very into yoga, and she launched... Wait, 2011? So that was right after this. Yeah. Yeah. So she launched Live the Process, which is a clothing company, or so I discovered. And she also has her own consulting company now called RBBR. So Robin Berkeley something. Okay. Um, So Live the Process is described as, quote, an online... Oh, shit. What'd I do? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Close my notes. Um, an online wellness community for impossibly busy people. They like, that is just so Kelly and Robin. I don't know what else to do. So then our BBR does a lot of representation and they have a quote, a balanced approach to business. So live the process. All of you can actually Google it. It's kind of, um, it's an activewear line. So it looks similar to, um, Have you seen the Instagram ads or social ads for outdoor voices? No. Okay. So it's a, I probably get those a lot because of my age and the fact that I'm female, but they are really nice looking activewear clothes for skinny people. Oh, okay. And Robin's clothing line pushes that to an extreme. Everybody on the website looks lovely and the clothes look very nice. They're all very minimalist, black, pale pink, olive, white. They are, they all look like ballerinas. Well, didn't we also, wasn't it Robin who we got a quick clip of working out last episode? Yes. So I guess it's always been on brand for her. Yeah. And I think we get more. Um, So both of her companies, you can find them on LinkedIn because I did. They only have like four or five employees a piece. And she also designed a David Lynch collection. Really? Yeah. In line with the David Lynch Foundation. And I want to do a deeper dive on that later because it was a little bit vague and I didn't have time to do... As much I mean, that it. makes sense because he's really into transcendental meditation. Yes, so. and so is she. Yeah. And I think Kelly is too. Of course she is. I think, I've noticed it's the thing, famous people really love TM. Yeah. So, but that's the rundown on Robin. She is still alive and well and designing clothes for skinny people. I wonder if she and Kelly are still friends. I believe they are, but in next week's runway rundown, which I've already started... There are some interesting shakeups that I didn't expect. Okay. I'll just leave it at that. All right. So, scenes from last week. Chado drama. Chado oh, yeah, drama. My, I first wasn't wearing my glasses. I was like, oh, why does this look so blurry? <laughs> um, yeah, so lots of Chado drama. Um, the one thing that I thought was interesting was that they were recapping the Chado. First of all, what the f- is his name Chado? Is the line Chado and his name is Ralph Rucci? Yes. Or is his name Chado Ralph Rucci? So his, they call, his name I believe is Ralph Rucci. Yeah. Because they also refer to him as Ralph in this yeah, episode. Yeah, numerous times. And I think the line is called Chado, Chado Ralph Rucci. Okay, gotcha. Very confusing. 
Well, I guess um, it's like Polo by Ralph Lauren. Well, then it should be Chato by Ralph Rucci. I don't it's know. It's fucking annoying. I don't know. Because last episode, I would have for sure said his name was Chato Ralph Rucci. I would agree. And I've been calling him Chato just because it feels easier than saying Ralph Rucci. 100%. Um, <laughs> now, what I thought was very strange and confusing is that we had a recap of the... Because uh, this is a to be continued. This is part two. Yes. Um, so we got a recap of the whole like list drama um, at the show and how people weren't getting in and the computer crashed and blah, blah, blah. Now, <laughs> I this is where I'm super confused because they said that there were, last week, 2,000 invitations went out. There were 350 RSVPs. That number was thrown around a couple times. Yes. Then this episode, we're told 15 pages were missing. Or they had 15 pages to go over, which is 1,000 names. Yeah. So, huh? Yeah. I don't... Where did the other 650 people come from? I don't know. Like, that's crazy. And you've been to Bryant Park before, right? Yeah. Do those tents fit 1,000 people in the main tent? Uh, maybe theoretically but I am the worst at gauging capacity like I am really really bad at it okay so I am not the right one to ask I will say it looks bigger than 350 when you think about like how long a runway is and the fact that they maybe go like eight to ten rows back it looks bigger than 350 but a thousand I mean actually yeah probably for sure because the anthem holds so anthem the new music venue here in DC I believe holds 5,000 people Okay. Um, I think. <laughs> I believe. <laughs> I um, either way, I was just there, and, like, the first floor alone would be about the number of people that a Bryant Park tent would hold. Like, I mean, a standing. runway is pretty long. So, so, yeah, I could see that. But, I mean, I was just more shocked about, like, oh, how did we go from 350 to 1,000? Well, so, what made... It made me wonder, they take a certain number of RSVPs, and then they kind of... Is it, like, a restaurant? They have reservations and walk-ins kind of thing? I don't know. Well, no, because they had the list. It was the seating chart. I mean, you wouldn't be on the list if you were walking. They said it was a 15-page list. They have a seating chart for, like, rows one through five. And then if you are just someone who shows up, like, on the day. No, but she said the seating chart was messed up. We had a 15-page seating chart with a 1,000 names we had to go over. Yeah. So, like, it doesn't, like, I don't, huh? I was I was confused. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it is very confusing. It. And I get it. Like, I think they're just driving home the point that seating charts are a fine art, and they get messed up all the time. So... We're still kind of in the scene from last week where Stephanie Skinner goes upstairs to Kelly and is complaining that the list won't print correctly, et cetera. Yeah. And Stephanie just starts to cry. And I feel bad for her because I think when you get that overwhelmed, it's almost impossible not to. When you're running on no sleep and something goes catastrophically wrong, like your eyes will tear up no matter what you do. You can't help it. And... I actually appreciate the advice that Kelly gives her, even though she's a little harsh about it. She says, don't be a baby. Don't cry and don't pull the whole team backward. No, I'm with Kelly because I don't cry. And I think it's bullshit. Like, if you are trying to solve a crisis, the last thing you need is to have to talk some off a ledge on right. top of it. It's like, right. shut the fuck up and just, like, do it. Man up. Well, and by doing this, you really are slowing everyone down. Yeah. And we don't have time to slow down. No, yeah. Right. I just didn't like that she said, don't be a baby. If she had said, like, don't cry, don't pull the whole team down, like, take a deep breath, you know, she could have just said it a little... Nicer. I didn't disagree with the statement. I'm Team Kelly. You're in an office. Like, don't be a fucking baby. <laughs> well, so Robin has to leave to go to Bryant Park, and she has 13 minutes to get ready. They're so busy. Such yep. power bitches. That's their, that's their whole ethos. So then we go to Bryant Park, and we see Kelly talking to 
who I'm calling Chetto, right? Ralph. Ralph. I know. I just prefer to call him Chetto. It's more fun. And this is where I also got confused because she said this has been happening for 48 hours. Did you catch that? I did. With the list. Yeah. And I I don't know. It makes no sense because we, we, for us, it seemed like it was happening for 24 hours. Yes. So, and the whole drama when they tried to print the RSVP list was, oh my God, we have to send this to them in an hour. But if that was 48 hours ago, maybe they were just late in getting it to the client. I don't know. Yeah. It's very confusing. But at the end of the day, I think it's pretty obvious that because of this mistake, people's rev does not look good. No. Um, and that becomes more apparent later. So they ask Kelly if everything is okay now. And she says, it's all fixed. Which is a bold-faced lie. Yeah. It's, it's her appeasing her client, and you can tell. It is not all fixed. So then we are now at his show at Bryant Park, and there's a lot of back of the house or front of the house. We see the check-in desk, and then we see Kelly backstage. And front of the house is total chaos. It is overwhelming how many people are standing in this lobby, approaching the desk with like three little laptops with people's rev stickers on them, and half their list is apparently handwritten. I don't get how that happens. Well, and there were there are ways to have streamlined this whole process. Like yeah. it just, but even it because I feel like no matter what kind of list they had, this was still going to happen because the problem was that a bunch of uninvited people showed up. Yeah. So no matter what printed, not printed, whatever, you're still going to have the same situation. I don't understand why they had didn't have like rope lines dividing the three computers, like A through you know. E, come here, and M through, whatever. Like, they could have divided it alphabetically, be like, you get in this line. Like, they could have been much more organized about it. Yes. Much more. Yeah. So then we go backstage, and we see Ralph freaking out. He's just really, he's nervous, and there's a lot of press around, and he doesn't really want them to do first looks, but then Kelly is in the camp that if he doesn't do that, then he might not get the press he wants. They need to be there, even though they're in his way, and she shuffles people around, Um, so then we go back to front of the house and Emily is just, she's taken to just yelling at people like, move it along. If you're not invited, don't come to this line. And Kelly, meanwhile, goes out onto the runway and she just notices people taking seats that they're not assigned to, which is always a really ballsy move in a way that I don't understand. And even when my husband and I went to Greece, we got on our plane and there was someone sitting in our seats And we said, oh, well, we have 14 A and B. And they said, oh, that matters? What? Yeah. And it was just like some hippie dude with a guitar who wanted to sprawl out across both of them. And we were like, yeah, get up. (laughs) It's not even a nice seat, but yeah, I want the seat that I'm assigned. Or like when people do that at sporting events or concerts, I just don't get it. Oh, I a thousand percent get it and I do it. I do it once I've taken my original seat, and if I notice things are not filled in, then I'll move to a better Oh, yeah. But you always take your original seat first. Well, but I I could see at this fashion show, I believe because it was so chaotic, there was very much a, like, sit wherever vibe, and what we get to later with with Rosanna, um, Rucci, who I'm assuming is Ralph's sister and head of of PR. Yeah. Um... I, because, uh, Chad Ralph Rucci 
had wanted so many people in the front row and they wanted double the number of seats there were in the front row, I, I do believe that people had probably been told they were in the front row by Ralph Rucci yes. who weren't. Yes. So I think they just sat down. Like, right. not, not trying to be sneaky, but just like, oh, I was told I'm in the front row. Right. I'm plopping my ass in the front row. So Kelly moves somebody, just to describe this vibe further. Kelly moves somebody and says, and the person is upset and says, well, Rosina told us to sit here. And Kelly said, I know, I'm I'm so sorry, though. That's that's incorrect. I need the seats. And someone answers back, you should be sorry. Yeah. And, I mean, I get where both sides are coming from. Kelly has to seat a certain number of people. But if I was told by the designer's sister that I could sit there, I'd be like, I don't care what you're telling me. I was a little shocked, too, because Kelly yells at her. Yeah. And I'm like, she's your boss, Kelly. I yeah. mean, you're working for her. Right. Just say, hey, Rosina, I know you want to seat people, but these seats are already filled. Yeah. You know, she did not, she tells Rosina to stop. In or, a way and that I mean, I would have said, by. like, those were the seats for women's wear daily. Where do you suggest I now put women's wear daily if you want those people in those seats? Yeah. Like, I mean, there was a way she could have thrown it back at her without being, I mean, she was a bitch. Yeah, totally. So then Martha Stewart arrives, which was kind of exciting. It was exciting, yeah. And actually, like, Martha looked pretty good. She did look good. She had this lovely, like, white thing on, right? I don't think she'd been to jail yet, so yeah. But Martha's beautiful. No, she is, but I'm saying. You, know, you ever seen old school modeling pictures yeah, of Martha? Yeah, she's very pretty. Yeah, She's very. so pretty. Yeah. Um, so now we are 26 minutes late on the show, which I don't feel like is that uncommon for Fashion Week, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, it is uncommon. Okay, because they're, it's Because those shows schedule. are timed to the second. That's okay. why there's all this screaming and running around and craziness. And if your show runs late, you are making the next show run late. Okay. So, and again, because, so, like, to put this in terms for people who've never been to, like, a Fashion Week event to understand, have you ever been to a festival concert? Like, say, like, Lollapalooza, or, um, like, the T-Mobile Festival, or whatever, Coachella. Yeah, sure. So, there are usually two to three stages, and multiple bands playing at the same time. Right. So, oh my gosh, I want to hear half an hour of this band, and I'm going to go catch the last half of that. It's the same as fashion shows. There's a million going on at the same time. Okay. So if you're a fashion editor, and you've got to make it to as many shows as possible, like, if someone's running a half an hour late, you're fucked. Like, okay. that's messing you up. Yeah. And that's why when she said, a lot of times they'll just leave. That's why. Like, they have to. It's like, i got to get to the next show. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So this is where we see Emily shout out, if you're not invited, don't come to this line. Mm-hmm. Which is what she should have been saying all along. They should have run and printed out a sign that said invitation only line, non-invitation. Like, they should have tried so many things. No, what they should have done is grabbed security, grabbed one of the interns, whatever, sent them into the crowd and said, can I see your invitation? Can I see your invitation? Can I, if you don't have an invitation, drag them out of that tent. I mean, there are so many ways this could have been handled better than it was. Yeah, I would agree with that. So then we get to see the show and the clothes. And I actually, I thought the clothes were really pretty. Yeah. I thought they were very... Um, Couture. Yeah, but I also, they, they're not super descript, but they're just kind of entirely lovely. There were a lot of pretty dresses. There was kind of like some feather action on the shoulders in a way that even I could stomach. And he used a good amount of black, which I really, I always like and is very chic. Um, but I, compared to the Davi Delphine show, I found these clothes like very pretty. Yeah. Um, so Kelly is backstage with Ralph watching the show happen. And you can tell Kelly is sort of kissing his ass because she knows that she's a little bit in trouble. She's like, do you see who you got out there? Front row is fantastic. That's gorgeous. I love that. That's great too. I would totally wear that. She was being like her own personal Flava Flav. Yes. Like she was like the hype man for yes, herself. And exactly. I was like, 
Calm down. And I only noticed the difference. And she wasn't producing this show like she was for Dovey Delphine. She wasn't calling the models or anything. But she was just very complimentary in a way that she wasn't before. Which is interesting because I feel like if the roles were reversed and someone was doing that to Kelly, she would be the first one to call bullshit. Yes. To be like, stop blowing smoke on my ass. Yeah. Like, you fucked up. I get it. Like, let's just move on. Well, and he's not having it. No. He's chewing on the end of his glasses, and he doesn't want to listen to a word she's saying. Yeah. I'm amazed that he didn't say, you know, back off. Yeah. So, then the show's over, and People's Revolution is really celebrating, and you can hear all this voiceover as they're, you know, taking photos and whatever, that it was gorgeous, and they're getting text messages from reporters saying it was the best show of the week, and... So they're really happy and they feel like overall it was a great success because the show turned out beautifully. And then we see Kelly talk to Rosina, Ralph's sister, AKA Phantom Thread. And she said, oh, Rosina, it was just so beautiful. And Rosina agrees and says, yes, it was. And then says, but there were a lot of unhappy people. At which point, Kelly waves away the Bravo cameras and that's all we get of that. Yeah. Well, I have a feeling that she got her ass chewed out. Oh, 100%. And I think it's interesting, though. We need to look and see. I'm sure she must be a producer on this. Oh, she was. She was. Yes. Okay, yeah. Because if she wasn't a producer, there's no way that would have been cut out. She was an executive producer of the show. Yeah, that's why. Okay. Because if she was not, there's no way that would have been cut out. Sorry, I should have uncovered that because I looked it up. Um, She's one of three executive producers. All right. So clearly the client is not happy. And I will say that even though I love Kelly and I do agree that some things were beyond their control with the seat crashers and, you know, the designer going behind their back, that front was a mess. Yeah. And like having a handwritten list that it just seemed ridiculous. And I, if he really is the only American couturier and his show made him that nervous It wasn't a good way to start it. No. So, you know. Then Kelly and Robin and Emily, and I think a few others, um, just people's rev people, they go for wine afterwards, and they start just talking about all the things that were out of their control. And they say that there were people seat crashing, and there were a lot of mistakes, etc. But we could tell. It was pretty obvious. Yeah. So then it's the next day. And Kelly is on the phone with Rosina. And she found some things, she said some things rather that really surprised me. <laughs> but she she owned up to it, but she also said some things that surprised me. Like what? Well, so she said, I'll take responsibility for the front of the house, but I can't take responsibility for the seating not going well and people taking seats that they weren't assigned, which is totally fair. And then she says, like, but I know Ralph is just in a bad mood. Don't, don't say that. That doesn't make you look good. Just say, I understand he's upset. (laughs) You know, she's just a little too casual about it. And I think it's because she knows that she's about to get axed anyway. Well, and I think, too, if, I wonder if this conversation would have gone the same way if they wasn't being filmed for Bravo, because she makes very clear that the reason he's in a bad mood is that Diane von Furstenberg made the cover of Women's Wear Daily, and he did not. And that's what he was hoping for. Right. So, and she wanted that known. And so I think that the whole, like, he's in a bad mood, he's in a bad mood, was so she could talk later about, oh, he was in a bad mood because he didn't make this cover, implying that that's why she got fired. Now, do I think that conversation on the phone would have happened if cameras weren't there and she didn't want to reference it later? Probably not. Yeah. Also, I mean, I'm not going to claim to be a super fashionista and I don't read Women's Wear Daily, but until I watched Kellen Earth, I'd never heard of Ralph Ritchie. No, me neither. 
And maybe that's a mistake on my part, but I, you know, Diane von Furstenberg, I have heard of, and I had heard of her long before I ever watched The Hills or The City, so I don't... <laughs> well, but that's the whole kind of thing, is that they mentioned, I think, last episode, that despite the fact that he's the only true, I can never say, couturier or whatever it is. Couturier. Couturier. Um, from America, no one knows him. And that right. was why the show was such a big deal to try to get him known. Right. But then he goes and kind of bites himself in the ass by not letting them do the pictures. And she has to sneak, um, W and, and elite, I mean, an L magazine, like in the back corner. Like, so he was kind of biting himself in the ass too. It's like, you can't right. want to be known and then send the cameras away. Right. Which was her point as well, I think. Right. So then Kelly says this line that I loved said he's got a proverbial gun in his hand and a knife on his tongue and somebody's about to get lashed. Yep. It's a good line. It is a good line. Um, and it's Kelly. So Kelly also calls Rosina on whatever bluff she's throwing and says, you know, like, if I'm going to get fired, let's just get it over with. Send me my final check and I'll send you the final report on everything we did. Yeah. And I guess Rosina says, okay, then that's going to be that because Kelly hangs up the phone very angrily and she was fired. And I, I am on with Kelly on that. Like, if I'm being fired anyway, we don't need to have an hour-long conversation. Let's just cut to the chase and totally. part ways. Yeah. I was just thinking, if I were the client, would I have fired Kelly for that show? And I, I mean, I don't know. Because I didn't do enough research about the press he did get after. But just on the logistics of the show, it wasn't good. At least it didn't look good on TV. Well, and the interesting thing is that she kept saying... Oh, and, they, and she says in the phone call, or I think before the phone call... Um, actually before her, her, uh, in one of her, uh, confessionals, um, that they said it's whoever said it was the best show of the week. Everyone's saying it was the best show of the week. Well, but you didn't make the clothes. Like when they say that they're referring to the clothes. Like, I mean, anyone can, it's, it's some music and people walking down a runway. So if they say it's the best show of the week, unless something above music and walking down the runway happens, it's about the clothes. Kelly had nothing to do with the clothes. Right. So best show of the week is on Ralph Rucci. It's not on Kelly. Yes. Well, and I do, I would agree with Ralph Rucci that, and obviously that's not the point, like a fashion reporter's whole job is to write about the clothes. But if you go to a show, it's like, I imagine what a restaurant review is like, you know, your job is to write about the food, but if they lose your reservation or your waitress is rude or they spill on you, it's really hard not to let that color your experience of what you're supposed to be writing about. So if you go to a fashion show and they've lost your RSVP and they send you to three different interns who then finds your handwritten seat number and then you get out there and someone's in your seat, that's really hard to wipe away as you look at the clothes. No, a thousand percent. But I'm saying her trying to take credit. For everyone saying oh, it was yeah. the best show. I'm like, yeah, it was Ralph Ritchie. It wasn't you. Exactly. Like, I totally get why the client was pissed. Yeah. So, anyway, Kelly gets fired. And then we get a, a little scene of Kelly helping her daughter pick out back-to-school clothes. Which I loved, because she was like, let's talk about back-to-school looks. Yeah. Like, I loved it. Was, loved it was it. cute. And then, so they, her daughter tries on a couple dresses, and... So then she tries it on with her, like, silver high heels, which, because she's seven years old, they're, like, an inch, maybe an inch and a half. And Kelly says, no, no heels to school. If you want to wear that dress to school, you could add some leggings and these, like, silver sneakers that she holds up. And they're, it's a cute look. It is a cute look. But also, I'm just now realizing this must have been filmed way before. Back to school is August. I know. So So this was, like, B-roll footage from, like, God knows when. 
Yeah, they clearly started filming in late August, which is also, I was wondering why Voorhees was wearing shorts in the middle of September in New York. It might be a hot day, but that's an August outfit that she's wearing. Yeah. In an old Soho building, too. That was not middle of September. Yeah. Um, so then Kelly says goodbye to Ava and says, like, bye, love you. Don't forget to wash your hands before dinner. Have manners and say thank you. <laughs> which is really cute. Yeah. And I support that. So then we move on to the next client of the episode, which is Genetic Denim. And the client's, that's the brand, but the client's name is Ali Federucci. Yes. Which sounds like a denim designer, 100%. <laughs> um, and he's not having a runway show, but he's having what they call an off-site presentation. Which, um, I it- re- it's a big part of Fashion Week that I think a lot of people don't hear about. Yeah. I only know about it because of that MTV True Life. (laughs) Well, the other reason it happens is because if you don't, if you're not big enough for a tent. Right. Like, then you end up in an off-site presentation. Right, but Fashion Week is more than just the tents. Oh, yeah. Like, a lot of New York venues do a lot of things. Oh, for sure. You could skip Bryant Park and do a lot of Fashion Week-oriented things. Definitely. So, um, they are doing a casting for models for his presentation, and... He says that he really likes these two models who look like sisters and they look a little bit kind of witchy, meaning ethereal, I guess. And Kelly says, that's great. I've spent my whole life trying to get that look. Which you've <laughs> achieved, Kel. She, well, I think what I took it more as kind of like this. Kelly's a little rock and roll. You know what I mean? Like witchy, meaning like badass witchy. I took him meaning more like ethereal and feminine and kind of like mystical. Oh, I took more just like witchy, witchy. Yeah, I think I took it more as like he said witchy, but he meant like fairy witchy. (laughs) Whereas Kelly meant it as like the craft. Yeah. Well, she's achieved the craft. (laughs) 100%. So genetic denim is also famous for their jeggings, which Kelly refers to as the hot fashion word in New York. Agreed. Yeah. Um, and then we see Ali Federucci casting female models and he says it's really difficult as a straight guy. Okay. I mean, it's really funny because I feel like that statement in today's world would have a totally different connotation because I feel like what he meant was it's hard because like, I want to bang these chicks, which by the way, if you're a straight guy, I don't know why you'd want to bang like a fucking flagpole. So that was my other problem with it, is that the girls look very young, obviously, because they're models. Very young, and very they are, thin, They're anemic. ninety. They're 95 pounds soaking wet. Yeah. And they're taller than me. And Ali Federucci is um, no waif himself. He'd break them. Yeah. Um, but I feel like in today's culture, saying that, it would almost mean, like, I feel like as a straight guy, because you have to critique their bodies and talk about, like how the clothes are fitting and like now it could be seen as sexist derogatory whatever so i think if he'd said it in 2018 it would have a totally different meaning than him saying it in 2010 yeah like he meant because he's a pervert but now i think it'd be like oh as a straight guy like i don't feel right talking about their bodies because whatever right um i have to laugh though because his name reminds me of this when i was in high school um i was friends with this like really dumb girl um, she's very pretty and blonde, but not smart. And um, 
guest jeans were like the thing at the time and it came out that Giorgio Marciano yeah. um, had AIDS, was HIV positive. And um, I found her crying in the hallway of school and I'm like, what's wrong? And she was like, Giorgio Marciano, like his AIDS, he's going to die. And I'm like, and that's sad, but like, why are you losing your mind? And she's like, because who's going to make all the jeans? <laughs> She literally thought he, like, handmade them all himself. <laughs> also, there were other brands of jeans. I mean... Not then. Not in 1988, honey. <laughs> Who's gonna make all, all the, the jeans? jeans? Oh, that's my new favorite. <laughs> what about Calvin Klein in the 80s? No. No? That was 90s. Okay. That was 90s. But I thought Brooke Shields was like a Calvin model back in the day. Nothing Gets Between Me and My Calvins was early 80s. Okay. That was like 82, 83. Okay. That was around Jordache jeans. Okay. And then like Guess was like the tits, like in the late 80s. Okay. And then Calvins kind of became back during Marky Mark. Okay. Got it. Like, like again. 92, like yeah. CNC Music Factory. Yeah. Although that was much more like um, Gerbeau. I was much more into Gerbeau jeans then. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay. So then we see Stephanie Voorhees training interns on how to use the phone. That is as stimulating as it sounds. You hit transfer, then you hit transfer, and hang up the phone. Oh, and obviously we were wrong, especially me, was last time with her title card. She isn't an intern. She is an executive assistant, it okay. said. So she's in charge of the interns and is getting paid. Okay. That makes sense. Because she does have a heart-to-heart with Kelly. Yeah. Good call. I forgot to look. So then Stephanie Skinner and Serrano leave the office because Serrano is going to do Skinner's hair. He apparently was looking at her one day and said, I can't look at your roots anymore. And none of this makes sense. <laughs> none of it. We do find out Serrano's journey to people's rev, though. So real quick, let me get into that. It still doesn't make sense, but go ahead. So he was doing hair in... Beverly Hills. Yeah. And he was doing hair for a lot of fashion shows. Uh-huh. And he was going to fashion school, and he realized in fashion school that what he enjoyed more was the PR of fashion. That's what he liked in school more. Um, which leads me to believe he has terrible job EDD. So yes. he went from hair school, doing hair, doing fashion hair, just quitting that and going to fashion school, and now leaving that to do PR. I'm like, make up your fucking mind, right. you little tan troll. Yeah, well... And at least we got some filled in information. So then Frank had a conniption fit. I'm, I, I have a conniption fit about all of this. So they leave <laughs> work, which, who, I mean, that's fine. Whatever you Do you want an Ativan? It really helps. I may need an Ativan. <laughs> so they leave work to, and they, so when they leave and they go, oh, we're, I can't believe we're leaving the office like in the middle of the day for an hour. We don't know why yet. So I assume lunch. Turns out they're going to the Cutler Salon where this motherfucker doesn't work. So yeah. he can do Emily's hair. Stephanie. I mean, Stephanie's hair. I wondered how that worked. How did he get a chair? It doesn't work. I, I'm assuming because the production came to Cutler Salon and said, hey, we'll put your salon on TV, the name of your salon, if you let... Because it was weird. There was no one in the salon. I yeah. mean, maybe it was the day it was closed. They said, if you open it up and let us come in and use it. Because I'm telling you right now, I can't go to New York and just walk into a salon with someone and go, hey, can I use one of your chairs for two hours? Thanks. Like, it doesn't work that way. So that, first off of that, what the fuck? And then secondly, the continuity of this scene was ridiculous. So he's foiling her hair. He's giving her highlights. And 
<laughs> First of all, he was doing it wrong. So he's <laughs> well, because he started at the nape of her neck, which is whatever. Like you're supposed to start around the face and go back because when you're using bleach or any kind of high lift, whatever sits the longest is going to be the lightest. And you always want to be lightest around the face and darkest in the back. So he did it completely reverse. So she's going to be really light underneath and not as light around the face, but whatever. So he's putting the foils in and they're having a conversation. And this conversation is Frankenstein pieced together. Like it's just a bunch of body parts making a conversation because there's a foil in the back and then all of a sudden all the foils are done and the sides and then all of a sudden he's doing the back again and there's no foils in the front. And then there's, he's doing the first one again. I mean, none of this conversation was the real, what they really talked about. It was so pieced together. Yeah. And you can tell the way that they cut things in their conversation at times that it's not what they're talking about. They're not talking about work. They sort of take sentences about things they're talking about in their personal life and make it seem like it's about work. Yeah. And which is slightly different from the Hills in that it doesn't feel producer fed at very, at the least, you know, it doesn't seem like someone said, Hey, Serrano, ask Stephanie about blah, blah, blah. It doesn't feel like that, but it feels like they actually had a normal conversation as coworkers and friends. And then they cut the crap out of it and piece it together to make it sound like it was professional. Yeah. Well, they took probably a two hour conversation cut it down to three minutes, and just spliced a bunch of sentences together. Yeah. And it's ridiculous. And that's the other thing. They weren't gone for an hour. I mean, to do a full head highlight, if you're the fastest person in the world, minimum 45 minutes. Minimum. And he was talking. He wasn't going fast. So I'm going to guess hour to put the foils in, has to process for half an hour, shampoo and dry her. I mean, they were gone for at least two and a half hours. Okay. At least. And he gave her a cute hairdo at the end. It was cute. I mean, he just diffused it, but what else? It was cute. Yeah. I mean, compared to how we always see her on camera, it was like a damn improvement. Yeah. So then back at the office, there is this drama with Voorhees and the interns because they're sending out invitations to the genetic denim presentation. I have a lot to say about this too. And she put a 61 cent stamp on the envelopes instead of a 44 cent stamp. Uh-huh. And her defense is always, well, no one taught me. That's what Voorhees always says. So then Emily catches wind of it and says, like, I don't get what's hard about that. Like, start peeling off the 61 cent stamps and you've got to find 44 cent stamps. Okay. This is where I have a problem. Yeah. First of all, once you peel a stamp off an envelope. It's hard to reuse. Yeah. Unless you're going to tape it down. Number one. Number two, why don't you have a fucking Pitney Bowes machine where you're just running them through and it's putting the postage on them like any other office in fucking America? Yep. Like, okay, there's that. Then number three, in terms of even if you could... Peel the stamps off and save them in perfect condition. You are saving 17 cents per envelope. So say there were a thousand envelopes. You've saved $17. How much is fucking Voorhees making an hour? Like if, if she has to waste an hour of her day doing this, it's you're, you're, you're still losing money. Just leave them on, mail them out. Who I gives know. a fuck? I know. And I get that they need to save money, but not down to 17 cents. No. No. Not even 13 cents. Oh, no, 17. Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, I would be shocked if it was less, if it was more than a thousand envelopes. Shocked. No, because the venue we see later is really small. And they have all the interns on it. I'm like, come on, guys. Like, there's such, I mean, I thought you were a frazzled mess and there's a million things going on and you're going to waste your time on that. I mean, yell at her and move on. Yeah. Or just be like, pay the difference. You made a fuck up. Give me $20. Yeah. 
Or like I'm taking it out of your paycheck. Yeah, or like go buy the next book of forty-four cent stamps, you idiot. Yep. Yeah, like I don't get why they peeled them off and risk damaging the envelope too. Exactly. I, I was very frustrated with the whole thing. Yeah. So then we find out that Voorhees was a finance major. Again, don't understand the trajectory. And she's wearing the same tank and shorts that she was in the first episode. So clearly this was all filmed on like some horrible day where they got <laughs> everything wrong. Um, so then Stephanie Voorhees calls Stephanie Skinner while she's getting her hair done because she can't find the 44 cent stamps. And <laughs> Skinner says, I don't know. Did you look? And Voorhees says, I'm just retarded. Yep. Favorite word. Yeah, the show's going to be rough with that. Mm -hmm. But I'm also completely on Skinner's side with this because I can't stand when someone asks me where something is without having looked for it. Um, And in addition to that, my new favorite thing, because I have a friend who does not listen to this podcast, so I can talk about it, who does this to me all the time, who asks me a question that's easily Googleable that I have to Google for them. Yeah. Like, I have a friend that texts me all the time and will be like, do you know how to do blah, 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 and then I have to Google it and send them the link that I found. And yeah. I'm like, how, why couldn't you do that yourself? Yeah. Like, why did I have to do that for you? Yeah. So I just went to this big training for my job, and there was one woman in the training that every time the trainers said, okay, open up this portion and do this, she would just raise her hand and say, I can't find that. A million times. All day long. I can't find that. First of all, we're in a platform where if you can't find it, you click the magnifying glass and you start to type whatever application you're looking for and it will pop up. There's that. Two, it's a browser. So you can hit control F and start typing any phrase and it will match it with the text on the screen. As a web person, you should know that. And that's another quick way to find things. Three, the slides of the presentation done by the trainers were numbered. (laughs) So we had the presentation as well. Skip a few pages ahead and you'll find where we are. If you raise your hand one more time, we're going to have a problem. So I was, by the end of the day, I was so tired and so pissed off. I almost said, and I actually covered my mouth so that I wouldn't. I almost said, perhaps you should sit closer because I just felt so aggressive about it. Stop wasting people's time. Look for yourself first. Well, it's and, not that hard. Well, and the other thing is, even if she didn't want to waste time searching the office, ask Emily, ask Robin. It takes two seconds to go, hey, where do we keep the stamps? Two seconds. I also, if I knew all of my bosses were mad at me, I would lie and say that I was going for a coffee break, offer to bring people back something. I would go to the nearest post office and just buy another fucking book of stamps. Yeah. And where did you find the 61 cent stamps? Because I'm assuming the 44 cent stamps were where they were. Yeah. And it's New York City. Go get some more stamps. Yeah. Oh, God. So this is where we see Serrano blowing out Stephanie's hair and it looks pretty cute. So then we start this epic drama about the gift bags with Kelly Voorhees and the interns. So Voorhees is in charge of telling the interns to assemble gift bags to send to editors. So magazine editors, website editors, whoever, as kind of an introduction to genetic denim. So they send them, excuse me, a pair of jeans and probably like a little a press kit, I'm sure. Yeah, like a note, a press kit, a letter. And you put the name on the gift bag and you line them up and a courier is going to pick them up. So we hear Emily say, we're not going to bother with labels, just nicely handwrite them. Which I think was actually Emily's mistake. Oh, yeah. You shouldn't handwrite anything if it's going out professionally. 
Unless you're a calligrapher on the side, I don't want your anyone's handwriting. And let's on be it. clear, that was not Voorhees that said it. It was Emily, Emily. that said it. I would. I. I thought. And I don't understand why that didn't come up later. Same. And this is speaking as someone who has very nice handwriting, or so I'm told. And my friend Lauren, again, beautiful handwriting. Several of my friends, beautiful handwriting. I would not have them handwrite anything for my job, ever. I would print a label. It's just what you do. So. Then we get a glimpse of what these gift bags look like. And there is a pair of jeans in a white shopping bag. Yep. With all caps in Sharpie, handwritten by an Irish dude <laughs> in turn. And it looks like chicken scratch. It's not nice handwriting. And not even... And I, I My handwriting is rancid. I look I have the handwriting of a series. But even my handwriting on the side of a bag would look ridiculous. But not consistent either. Yeah. Like, I mean, it looked like everyone was written by some a different person. Right. Exactly. So Kelly freaks out, understandably. Yeah. And she says, this is war. Oh, and no tissue paper, nothing. It's just jeans yes. thrown in a bag. That's Literally it. a pair of jeans in a bag. So then Kelly goes insane and she brings everyone into the main room and she says, we don't need six people for 15 bags. Eight people. That's later. She says there oh, are eight, eight people later. in this room later. That's why I was, whatever. They have a lot of interns. And... So then Voorhees' thing is just that she was given no direction. And this time I'm actually on Voorhees' side. Emily did not give her enough direction. If she wanted them to look really professional and nice, that's not entirely what she said. So then Kelly kicks all the interns out of the office and says, you need to take a 30-minute break. All the interns are taking a 30-minute break. And if you're not prepared to do it my way, do not come back. And I agree that... You should have an ounce of common sense. I feel like as a 22-year-old intern, I would have questioned it. I would have said, wait, you want me to just write on this bag? Well, and especially because we learn later that at least for Tim, he's worked there for three and a half months. It's not like this is their first week. Right. If it was their first week, I'd be like, oh, I get it. Like, I understand. I probably would have just thrown jeans in a bag myself, too. Right. But if you've worked there for months, like, you should know better. That said, I would be terrified to approach someone at People's Revolution and say... Are you sure we should handwrite these? I would be scared to death to approach Kelly or Emily. Well, not the handwriting part, but the way they were put in the bag. Right. Like with that, with that, I mean, he should have known about tissue paper, the presentation. Right. But Emily saying handwriting, I would have been scared to question her. But you know what? I think they stuck with the handwriting because later when they fix everything, they pick up the bags and I see them picking up, take the cure. They're still handwritten on the side. I know. I don't think they ever put the labels over top. That's so weird. I would have thrown away every single one of those bags. So then we get a quick scene of Kelly going to visit the site where the genetic denim installation is going to be. And it's a tree made of leaves that are made of the genetic denim, which is actually kind of cool. Yeah. So that people can walk underneath it and like touch the fabric of the jeans and the softness of the jeans. That's a big thing with genetic denim. And then in the second room, there is a curtain of Swarovski crystals. And I guess there are going to be some models just like standing under it. And people can touch those too, even though they don't really have anything to do with the jeans. Oh, I didn't think people were touching the crystals. I think they were just walking around them. The models were standing in the crystals. Okay. I, I don't think it was a touch thing. I think it was just a you know, pretty light effect. Okay. And I think that's why later Kelly was upset about the... Okay. Okay. So this is also the designer says on camera that this is his first presentation that before he really hasn't done a lot of press or anything like that. So he was nervous, but also kind of excited that he was finally unveiling himself more significantly. Um, so then we go back to the office 
<laughs> and it's gift bags round two. And after being yelled at and told to leave the office, the interns have now done the exact same thing a second time. With tissue paper. With tissue paper. And not wrapped properly, but I think they just like threw some in the bag. Yeah. So (laughs) Kelly says, you know, with the interns, all I try and do is teach them common sense and consciousness, and then they do the exact same thing. (laughs) So then Kelly scolds them again, and she says, I don't need to spend five hours of my precious time folding jeans. Also, five hours for 15 bags? How many bags are there? That's the other thing that freaked me out. Oh no, it was way more than 15. It was a lot. So she says 15 bags at first, and then later when we get a shot of them lined up the hallway, it looked like 100 bags. Yeah, I know. It was a lot of bags. Okay. So then we get another close-up of Tim, the Irish intern, and... I don't know. I don't have that much to say about Tim, actually. That's just where he speaks, like, in a confessional for the first time, I guess. And then Kelly says she's really rethinking this whole intern program and she's decided that she needs to start charging money and she's going to call it a fashion school. And if someone wants to come and work with her and learn from her, they need to pay $10,000. Yep. Which is amazing. (laughs) She would have still had interns, guaranteed. She just would have gotten a lot of those blonde girls with family money that she was trying to avoid. Well, or more people like Andrew M. Yeah, exactly. So then we... Another vignette of The Office, because... It's hard to tell where scenes end and scenes begin in Kel on Earth. And there we see a telephone with 2,345 missed phone calls. That was my factoid. Sorry. Factoid stealer. Sorry. Um, yes, which is amazing. And it makes me um, feel less bad about um, my work where we get tons of missed calls and I scream at the receptionist, but it's not 2,000. That's for sure. Yeah. So then Skinner is slowly having a meltdown. She really takes on too much. And Andrew Muckamel is telling Voorhees that like they all need to help Skinner, that she's just going to have an epic, epic breakdown. And so then Voorhees is saying that she really doesn't know how to do anything. And the lack of sleep is really hard. She can't be productive on two hours of sleep. And I... I also struggle with sleep deprivation, I will say that, but I also, I think it's easier when you know it's temporary, you know, like fashion week ends on this day, having a light at the end of the tunnel makes a huge difference. And I think it was more that it was her first fashion week. She didn't know what to expect and she wasn't prepared. Whereas Stephanie Skinner, she had done this several times as Kelly assistant and she had a vague idea. And it comes out later that everybody is just riding off of all of Skinner's knowledge. Like they're letting her do everything because she will. She actually seems to struggle to delegate, which I think becomes a thing. And this is where your suspicions of Kelly favoring the boys, I think, comes to light yet again. For sure, because we find out in Tim's confessional that he is from Northern Ireland and that he's worked for Kelly for three, he's interned for Kelly for three and a half months because he wants to get a job in PR. Um, and then we have a scene of him on the phone with his mother, um, Kelly's sitting next to him and they're like, he's talking to his mom and Kelly wants to talk to the mom and is all like super friendly and considers herself kind of his mom. And the whole, it was like, huh? Like she really does favor the boys. Like, I don't see her doing that with any of the girls. No. Like I, there is definitely some empathy for Stephanie Skinner. Um, I think because she was her assistant for two years. Yeah. But yeah, it's like she's team boys. Yeah. Straight boys or gay boys. It doesn't matter. Yeah. 
It's kind of gross. Yeah, I mean... And I the, never noticed it the first time. Yeah, the office is definitely female dominant, but it is pretty obvious in the first two episodes. Yeah. So then in my episode highlight, we get a scene of Kelly walking around at night, I guess, going out with somebody, and she's holding a few of the Swarovski crystals <laughs> in her pocket. And she's giving them out to people randomly because according to her later, she believes in tribal wellness. And I want to know if they're really Swarovski crystals because those are expensive. Like the real ones are expensive or if they were just crystals. I don't know. Um, So they're out at a bar or a club. And was this after the show? No. Okay. It was before, but I didn't know. Because she said there were extras like leftover. Okay. When they made the, the. Yeah. You'd think that Swarovski would want those back, but. Whatever. Oh, I'm sure that Ollie had to buy them. Okay. Good point. Okay. Anyway, so Kelly hands one to her friend, George (laughs) Wayne, who is, he works at Vanity Fair. And you can see it in slow-mo on camera. Kelly hands him a crystal. He puts it, like, she puts it in the palm of his hand. And without looking, he puts it in his mouth, takes a sip of his drink, and swallows it. Well, the first time it's in regular motion. Yes. And then when they bring it up and she's like, he's, when she says what they are and he's like, what? He's like, I swallowed it. Like I, I, I ate it. He said, what? Kel? I thought it was a pill. (laughs) Then they show it again in slow-mo. It's incredible. Yeah. It's amazing. He just assumed that Kelly was handing him God knows what and didn't care what it was and went for it. Been there. Totally been there. And then she says, so he swallowed a crystal, a Swarovski crystal, no less. And then they should go back to him. And he like puts his hands in the air and he goes, it'll come out in the (laughs) (laughs) doo-doo. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it was good. Like only in New York. It's pretty good. So then Kelly goes on in the office about her tribal wellness and how she likes to light incense when things are really tense. And Andrew Muckamel says that really her tribal wellness is about making it difficult for him to breathe when he sits close to her desk, which is fair. I feel like I a thousand percent agree. I hate smells. Hate it. Yeah. And in fact, I have a couple clients who I love, 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 but they bathe in perfume. And so I dread it anytime they come into the salon. I'm not going to lie. Your favorite hairspray. I always have to wash it out the next day. I'm so sensitive to the smell of it. Which one? I don't use the Moroccan oil. That's my favorite hairspray. You don't like it because you're allergic to it. I know. I don't know. It's some other spray. I had to wash it out. Oh, I don't know. (laughs) And I feel like I always forget to tell you before you spray. (laughs) But you always give me a great cut, so it doesn't matter. So then there's more drama with Voorhees and how she's not doing anything right. And she didn't tell the interns that they were working the genetic denim show. And it's unacceptable. She She couldn't even be bothered to make phone calls and tell them that they were working. And then Skinner goes up to Kelly and says that she has no support and no one's helping her. And she cries. We've seen her cry twice this episode. And Kelly didn't tell her to get out of the office to do it. So I'm surprised. I know. She's not even following her own book. I know. She's being a little soft on Skinner. Not as soft as she is on the boys, but. Well, and I also don't get, and this has become an issue on the Hills um, as well with Kelly, is the main shock and trauma of these people not knowing they were working is that they don't have all black to wear to the show. Yeah. Aren't there like literally two floors full of clothing in that office? Like there's not a tunic somewhere in there they can throw on. I mean, take Andrew's top. Yeah. Also, they don't have a spare bag of Hanes black tank tops and various sizes. Like, and I would just keep a black outfit at work. Like if I was an intern there, I would just like in a cubby somewhere, just like have a black outfit there in case of black outfit emergencies. I would be so afraid of Kelly. I'd probably wear black all the time every day just in case. I don't understand why they don't just do that. I know. 
I don't get because it Because I feel like at any moment, Kelly could ask you to be somewhere and do something, and you would want to just be wearing all black. Yeah. Because it's not like they're wearing, other than Andrew, um, it's not like they're wearing, like, high-fashion clothes. Like, Andrew's got his whole, like, high-fashion goth thing going, so I get that, but he is usually in black. But for the rest of them, yeah, sure, if you're there in, like, couture or whatever, or you're, like, super cute baton, yeah, I get wearing that to work. But you're just wearing, like, jeans and tank tops half the time, most of them. So, just wear black. Yeah. I don't know. So, then we get to the genetic denim presentation, and Kelly explains that this is difficult because getting a good turnout is not necessarily getting results. So, which is something that I hadn't thought about, that even if you get all these editors and writers to a show, that doesn't mean they're going to write about it or have something positive to say. No, of course not. You know, you still have to work once you get them in the door. So this is where the designer of Genetic Demonum says that he wants his jeans to be an auto-erotic experience. Better than auto-erotic asphyxiation, I guess. I guess so. I feel like he could have said it better. Sensual, enjoyable... Comfortable, inviting. <laughs> well, I think the auto part was the important part. I think he wanted it to feel like self-love. Like, you know. Right. He, so it's self to be auto-sensual. Yeah. I don't know that pulling on my jeans is auto-erotic to me. I'm telling you, these jeans I'm wearing right now feel pretty auto-erotic. I love them. You also told me they only make men's jeans. I'm sorry. Well, life isn't fair. Look around. <laughs> <laughs> so then Emily hears on her headset... Someone called 911 Model Down. Down. <laughs> and if we had to name this episode, I would name it Model Down. Or Come Out in the Doo-Doo. Yes. It's a toss-up. <laughs> so a model in the Swarovski curtain in the rain room falls down um, and passes, passes out. out. Yeah. And he messes up the curtain on his way down. And it looks like he just felt faint. Um, they, he said he ate that day and that he was feeling fine, but he needed some oxygen. He just fainted, which is a little scary. Well, but what may have happened, and this is a phenomenon that happens with choirs, that if you're standing with your knees locked, yeah, it can make you pass out. And so they'd been standing for hours. He could have had his knees locked and just like, you know, gone. Yeah. So then Kelly decides that the vibe of the EMTs is really messing with her show. Yeah, it's fucking with her flow. And she not only moves the firemen, but she goes outside and asks the ambulance to turn their lights off. Yeah, because it's affecting the the way the presentation's happening. Right. And they do it! I know. Well, the other thing that is insane to me is that this is Manhattan. Even if it wasn't the EMS inside that show, there could have been an ambulance for who knows what reason on that block at any given moment that would have messed with her flow anyway. Oh, I bet she would. I bet she would have walked right outside and told them to turn their lights off. Probably. Yeah. But it's just like that kind of thing must happen pretty regularly. Probably. So then Kelly, the designer Ollie, is pleased with how everything went, and everybody seems excited. And Kelly and the People's Rev team are patting themselves on the back again. And Kelly compares it to the Chato show and says that you know, unlike Ralph Rucci, Ali was very grateful and very excited, and blah blah blah. I have a lot to say about that. Me too. And I don't think the comparison is fair at all. It's not because you can't control a model passing out. You can control tech issues within your company. Like she could have called tech support there. I mean, there's stuff that could have been done. 
Yeah. I I personally think that Ralph Rucci wouldn't have had a problem if one of the models passed out on the runway. Like, he wouldn't have blamed that on Kelly. No. Like, it's apples and oranges, and yes. she should not have compared them. No. And also, to compare a fashion show in the Bryant Park tents with a thousand attendees to a presentation inside an art studio with, like, a controlled... With no seating. With no seating and a controlled path to walk in, that's not the same thing. It's just not. So then we get one final scene of Kelly talking to Voorhees and how Voorhees is her other strategy in addition to saying that she's not trained is to kind of own the fact that she's made a lot of mistakes, but that's about it. And then Kelly says, you're not a good delegator. I would say she's not a good employee. I don't know if the problems are delegating. She's not a good employee. And I'm wondering, like, was she a good intern? I don't know. Because she was promoted from intern to this paid position. And I find it hard to believe that badass Kelly Catrone would have promoted someone who wasn't doing a good job. So she must have been a decent intern. I don't know. what. Maybe she's just someone who's a, a follower, not a leader. Right. The other thing I think we might see, too, is that People's Revolution has a lot of turnover. So it might just be that somebody decided they'd had enough, they walked out, they got fired, and then they look at that intern who's been there the longest, and they're like, hey, Voorhees, congrats, you're a junior account exec today. And don't fuck it up. Exactly. Um, and then we get uh, scenes from the next, um, which is Kelly is going to be producing an agent provocateur. Although I love that instead of saying agent provocateur, she was, what did she say, agent? Yeah, agent French. Provo- I know, but anyway, I mean, even on the ads, they say agent provocateur, not agent oh, provocateur. I say agent provocateur. Um, and then they didn't say who the other designer was, did they? I didn't catch it. But then there's there's another designer they're working with who apparently gets like real snippy with, was it Emily? Oh, yeah. Or Robin. It was Emily, right? I think it was Emily. Yeah, gets snippy with, with Emily. Um, so we have that to look forward to next time. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. See you guys then. Thanks for listening to another episode of One Hit Wonderful. You can find us online on Twitter and Instagram at One Hit Pod. You can email us at franklymareb at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nana's Mink. And you can find me on Twitter at Hey It's Mare B. Please remember to rate and subscribe. And have a great week, guys. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>